start with the Lord's Prayer. That's a good starting point. Let's bow our heads. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good. Make our way out. It's good to be back together, isn't it? Yes. Is everybody blessed by the uh, a week that was very full of uh, amazing uh, import from the year? I was thinking how uh, it's, it's uh, I hope we all, you know, consider, been thinking about Paul since the musical, but uh, there's so much opportunity coming out of the school year, coming into summer, it's such a great fun time, but, uh, you know, the, the Lord, His purposes are always moving forward. It doesn't, there's no retirement or vacation with God. His purposes are, they're very sure and they're moving forward. All summer long, there's there's uh, even on a busy uh, Wednesday, had a busy day at the office, and I just uh, I hope that we all uh, take advantage of reaching in. It's so personal to reach in to get hope from the Lord. We're really blessed. I just was amazed again talking to some visitors this week. We're just we're blessed by this atmosphere, by this place, by the opportunity here. It may not always be this way, but uh, boy, you want to take advantage of, of what we have. Uh, we're kind of in the land of plenty in terms of uh, the way the Lord's blessed us just with who we're surrounded with, really. Um, and uh, we want to make sure we keep it very personal to, to be appreciative of that.
I made a very keen observation when I got home. And that was that there seemed to be a lot going on. Uh, actually, I was tired when I came home. But then I got more tired after being home. <laughs> I, watched, I watched the play. And I had nothing to do with it. <clears throat> and it made me tired. <laughs> Thinking about all the outstanding work, you know, that went into it. It's unbelievable. Uh, I was talking to my wife. <clears throat> Uh, when I, uh, I was thinking, you know, you, I was gone a long time, I was gone for a month, and then I was home for, I don't know if anybody noticed, I was home for 10 days or something, but then I left for a month again, and then um, I made a rule that don't say welcome home if I've been home three days. That's the, that's the cutoff. Um, but I'm kidding. I, I understand. This, I, I don't know how we... Notice who's here and who isn't here, and I mean, so many moving parts. Um, anyway, I was talking about, I said, you know, you go through a thousand things when you're on, away for a month, a thousand little things happen, and experiences, and services, and this meeting this person, and talking to that one, and then, uh, you know, and I, um, I think it's, and I missed a thousand things, you know, probably 10,000 things here, and uh. I think, uh, so I've narrowed it down tonight uh, personally because I don't want to convey everything that I did. I put you to sleep. I don't really like giving trip reports. Once in a while, maybe there's a little anecdotal thing or something that's interesting, but otherwise, <clears throat> it's not that interesting. Um, so I've narrowed it down to actually, I just have a question at the top of my page. What is God doing? I thought, well, that would be important, maybe. Um, I know what I did, and, um, and, and you guys did a lot of stuff, and still were doing stuff. I particularly like the... And, and, <clears throat> anyway, and I was thinking also about how is, our communi how is the communication? Um, because I think something that's very rare for, in, in the world is that is to really uh, have a genuine communication with the Spirit of God, where there's an absolute awareness of actually what He is doing, not what He might do, not what He could do, or any of those things, but actually what He actually is doing, I think that would be the most significant thing for any of us here. And I was very moved the other night, at the end of that play, they were, there was a declaration over and over and over of the things that Paul, out of Paul's writings, I mean, it was very powerful, it was, a, it was alive. And, uh, I, and, uh, and so uh, <clears throat> I was very moved by that. I thought that was that was genuine communication, you know, and and, uh, and because we have had a lot of communication about what God does, uh, but really the the necessity for every one of us is to actually have a living communication going on now. That's really what every one of us needs. What really is God doing uh, with me? Somebody asked me that question. What's going on in the move? What do you see? I was at a place. What's happening? Uh, you know, and and I, you know, and maybe that's an advantage. I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't. A lot of venues have changed, and maybe a lot of the scaffolding changes. But I, I don't think that uh, God has missed a beat with what He's interested in, um, and His His purposes don't get thwarted, um, regardless of what anything looks like. We kind of get confused because we have some projections about what we think things should look like and how they should continue. And in truth, we don't know how they should continue. We didn't know when we started how they should be, and we still don't know um, uh, what it's going to look like. I just, but I do think there should be this, uh, this um, living connection with the Spirit of God so that whatever goes on, what actually has meaning is that the life of God is at work in the hearts of his people. Um, and uh, I think for all of us, um, 
Uh, I mean, I communicated to this person that asked me the question. I said, well, God hasn't missed, isn't missing a beat. I said, things perhaps change and look smaller. And you go places and some people prefer the Zoom meetings. So they stay home and watch it uh, from, from their couches rather than come to the places. And, you know, some of the people don't, not as many people like we're in Asia, not as many people came out to the services. and. Um, all, all kinds of reasons, I, I don't know. Um, the truth of the matter, it's always been about um, whether or not uh, the life of God is, is working in the vessel. Um, and that doesn't change, there's nothing that changes that um, in the sense of anything external that can, that can stop that. Uh, you and I can stall, but there's no external events, there's no earthquakes, there's no change of venue, there's no deaths. Uh, I don't believe the life of God, the incorruptible life of God is threatened by natural death. Um, I think um, either side of the veil, it seems as though something's going on. Um, it says we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Um, but... <clears throat> I wanted to read one of my favorite passages to begin in Isaiah chapter 30. Verse 15. Sometimes you read things in the Bible and you think maybe it was a one-time event, but some of these things are, you go through them and you go through them and you go through them, Right? And so in verse 15, it says of Isaiah 30, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Uh, and then there's a colon with further explanation. It says, and you would not. And I think uh, if you haven't gone through that more than once, then I think just you haven't noticed. But... Um, Every single one of us has gone through that uh, more than one time, I believe. Um, that God brings us to the place where we see the, the difficulty of, of, of our soul yielding uh, to his spirit. And it says, but you, would, but you said, no. <laughs> I was, <laughs> you just said no. And I, I, was, I was around um, people on this trip somewhere <laughs> and I was watching a particular person parent that had children so that clarifies who it was <laughs> see if Maria was listening she'll call me tonight and say who are you talking about dad um, anyway um, but this parent had a child that was, I don't know how old, 13, 12, 13, I don't know. The parent would ask the child to do something and the child would very, just outward, just say, no, just like that. And I have to, well, yeah, I know, I was much more sophisticated with that. I didn't think that was the best way to handle that. I think if you could say yes and still figure out a way to get out of it, that would be smart. Um, but this person just, and I, I heard it probably half a dozen times, I almost blew up one time because I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> okay, I didn't, I didn't blow up. I don't know, maybe it would have helped if I had, but I just, it was very difficult to take. Um, I did stare at the person one time. <laughs> It was one time that Ariana said, I don't know what they were doing, they were messing around, and she said, she goes in the room, Mom, Dad looks like he wants to kill some of us. <laughs> and it wasn't like a lot of people I wanted to kill, it was just a couple, and I was, on numerous occasions, I was wishing I could bring that look back. What was that look exact? Practice in the mirror, that look is exactly like my, my father had that look. He was able to release a lot of things. <laughs> Couldn't make it to the bathroom on a couple of occasions just with a look. Uh, well, God has that look, right? right? 
Because God looked down on those chariots and the wheels just fell off. I always love that scripture. That's the scripture about parenting. <laughs> if you can look at your kids when they're rolling along and their wheels fall off, you're really making progress. Anyway. Now this is talking about our father here, so I guess that's how that all fits in. It said, no... We'll flee upon horses, therefore shall ye flee, and we'll ride upon the swift, therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. And one thousand will flee the rebuke of one, at the rebuke of five shall ye flee, till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain, as an ensign on a hill. Uh, what is that about? That is, that's saying that you can say no to God, but it, uh, it's not going to work very good. You know? And... Um, and, and I love the response of the Lord here. It says, because, and therefore, verse 18, the Lord will wait. Uh, and it's such a beautiful response. The Lord will wait that he might be gracious to you. And, uh, and therefore, will he be exalted that he may have mercy on you? And I thought about that. Well, I'm going to keep reading because there's a further explanation here. For the Lord is a God of judgment. It means he's equitable in the way he looks at everything. The way he sees it is right. And we're the ones that are slow to come to it. Blessed are all those that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion and Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. Now that gives you a little indication of what's going on after you said no, right? Because, well, it tells us first that you're going to be running as fast as you can, but it's not going to work. Um, it, um, he's going to be exalted. Um, you're going to see that he was right all along. Um, and then it says, when he shall hear it, He'll answer you. And, uh, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but then I shall see thy teachers. And I thought, how, what a great picture this is of, of child raising. <clears throat> that God, how he deals with his children. You know, he lets us go out in our independence and in our, our no and our unwillingness to respond sometimes and he, he lets us go until we find out really that he was right and and really the best thing I could have done is yield and Lord here I am I'm crying out to you because I, I you know I didn't get it and, it and none of us I don't mean you always have to take a long time but none of us get it the first time around often there's certain areas in our lives we just don't get it the first time around where it's I know we sung a lot about it and uh, that we surrendered all, but we all know that we were sincere, but we were actually lying because we hadn't, right? And we, we made the discovery that we hadn't really surrendered. There's a lot of things that happen in church that are very deceptive, right? Because we, we agree to a lot of stuff. If, like if, one of the most embarrassing things probably that could happen to me and, and maybe the rest of us is how many things I've said amen to. I think that is a little embarrassing. How many things I've actually agreed to, yes, and I and then walked away thinking I had to find out that I didn't. And that's okay. God knows that. He's a good father. The Lord will wait till you actually find out that, my goodness, he will be exalted. And, you know, and um, and he lets you go out there and you're, you find yourself in affliction. You find yourself in adversity. You, uh, you find yourself with a distraught soul. Uh, my wife told me today that there's a... Well, in this world, men have for centuries and centuries and centuries tried the same things over and over to try to get a different result. And that really is a, is a, is a sign of craziness. And, and in the world now, you can see how crazy it is. It's gone so crazy that now things that are discussed are um, like, abs you know, absurd. My heart goes out to people that are just... Uh, have some sense of that, you know, I'm sure God put it there, some sense of right and wrong and to 
what, what they, they must just be, it's maddening. For us, at least, we understand the purpose of God stands and is going to come forth. And God is letting this run wild as long as he sees fit. Um, my wife was trying to save a bird today. And um, because she was in the living room and I saw her in the living room and she's doing something with the shades and the curtains and she's just, I thought that she'd finally gone over the edge. And, um, and she, there was a robin that would, was on a branch uh, across from the window and it would ram into the window and then sit on the ledge. And then it would go back to the branch and it would ram into the window, the same window. And she said you did it probably eight times. <laughs> And then, how many? Like 60 times. 60 times. Did it for an hour. Did it for an hour. It didn't die, because then she went downstairs and walked in the other room, the sewing slash exercise room, and she heard this crash again into the window, and it was the same bird. This robin crashed in the window, and I thought, my goodness, what a picture of humanity that is. They keep trying the same thing over and over, and it's still not working, you know? And um, quite a, there may be a deeper meaning. If you have it, give my wife the interpretation. <laughs> Speak right into her life, if you would. Um, but it says, um, what's going on here is that it says he will be gracious. And we know that in 1 Peter 5, it says he gives grace to the humble. There's something going on while God is waiting. It's not as though he's just taking a nap. Something's going on in your life where he is working, his spirit is working in you to bring you to the place where you say, Lord, I need to know what's going on. Lord, I've got to cry out to you. And I, I don't mean that. It's not instantaneous that affliction and adversity brings you into humility. I don't believe it's automatic. What I do believe is it brings you into a dialogue with the Spirit of God and you, you discover that there is something greater and bigger than you and you can't do anything about what's going on in life. You can't change it. You can't be the kind of person you're, you should be. Or I mean, isn't that what this place was all about? The great theological conclusion I've come to is that I came here to find out that I love myself more than everybody else. That's the great theological discovery I've made. I mean, I could write a book about life and community and and um, well, let me tell you a funny story. I was being interpreted in Mexico and I don't know why, but I went in the middle of the word for something. It was, it, it was for something. And Leslie said, Daniel, who's like the best interpreter I've ever had, she, she couldn't do it. <laughs> and I said, what's the matter? <laughs> I said, do it in Spanish then. <laughs> so I did it a couple more other times during the message. But God must get us into the condition where we have a dialogue with him, where we understand that, gee, what I'm doing isn't so great. Very important to find that out. Um, and so what's going on is he's going to be gracious because we're going to come and humble ourselves in the process that he's got us in. We humble ourselves and say, Lord, I, I, I made a mistake here. And uh, can I get back with you or can I? Can, I, can this connection, uh, can I wake up to a, a deeper connection with you? Because that is the most important thing that's going on. Am I in a living communication with the Spirit of God? Do I understand exactly what He's doing in me? I was, I was struck with how much communication goes on here, even when I was away, because I got included in uh, 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 multitudinous emails. And sometimes I'd click on the email and there was already, you know, 10 responses, right? And you have these, this, ding, 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 like this. It's very discouraging. And you, you look at it and, and I, I read, I, I would read. I, I only responded to one in particular because I was asked a, a direct question to me. So I answered it. But, 
but I thought, of, oh, man, so much communication going on, um, so much talking, so much uh, planning, so much thought about and what we should do and, and not, and I thought, but I hope, I hope that in all that communication, we understand that it's really not as significant as the communication that I must have with the Spirit of God, because that's really the most significant thing that's going on in this room. It's more important than all the other communications. And I, I know we need communications. I know we have so much activity and we need to talk about stuff. And I'm not against that. It's just that I, I hope the communication with the Spirit of God, what is He really doing here? And, and am I aware of that and, and, and awake to it? And I want to read about a little bit of a story about communication because it's such a, a twist on the way we've looked at it. I mean, it was to me. I don't know. Maybe you already know it. Um, you love that about preachers. They get up and they tell you something that's really incredible. But everybody else already knew it in the room. But it's a story of where uh, Elijah is fed by the ravens and then, and then the brook dries up. And um, I always thought being fed by ravens was a little funny, but... Um, it wasn't a good time to be picky, I suppose, right? Um, but then he gets in verse uh, 8 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings. He says, The word of the Lord came unto Elijah. He says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, um, and, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. And you know this story uh, because he finds, he, he says, you know, obviously he gets up and goes to Zarephath. What are you supposed to do? And he finds a woman there um, in, you know, it was a widow woman. She was gathering sticks and he called her and said, fetch me, I pray thee a little water. And as she was going to fetch it, he says, give me some, a morsel of bread. And you know the story. She said, I don't have a cake. Uh, as the Lord thy God lives, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. This doesn't, when, when God says he, he commanded a widow woman, you know, we've had this thought that God makes these commands just like you and I have a conversation. He commands us to do something and then we go do it. But he says here that he commanded this widow woman to sustain Elijah. And it just seems like the one that doesn't know about it is the widow woman. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he said he commanded it. Actually, he says he commanded her to sustain him. And I just thought, well, the widow woman, perhaps, more than anything, it wasn't this magic dialogue. It's just she, she when God sends something forth that he wants to have done, she got caught up in the stream of what, was, what God was doing. And I thought that she, uh, perhaps she'd been brought into the condition where because of widow woman, poverty, a child to take care of, all those circumstances. Maybe she, this is my projection, maybe she had a dialogue with God. Maybe there was a dialogue going on with God. God help me, Lord, can you, can you, can you help me, Lord? Can you direct my steps? Can you lead me, Lord? And, and she got in because she got into the stream of actually what God was doing. Even though perhaps she wasn't aware with her five senses exactly what God had said, like we're gonna, Hear, maybe she didn't hear an audible voice that a, a prophet is coming and you need to sustain him. But when, when the opportunity came, she got in on it because perhaps she was already in a dialogue with the Spirit of God, asking for help, looking unto the Lord for sustenance. And maybe it's more important just to get for the work of God to get us into the condition where we can be in, involved with actually what he's doing. As opposed to going and hearing from God so I can go do what he says. Uh, because I don't think it works that way often. I get caught and I look back over my life and I've been caught up in the stream of the direction that the Spirit of God was going. Right? Didn't you? No. When I, was, when I came here, 
I was caught in the stream. I didn't know what I was getting into. But I was caught in the stream of where the Spirit of God was moving. And you look back over your life and you see the hand of God that's it's moving you along. And I think that's what happened with this woman. It was moving her along and she was in that condition where she could be a part of actually what God was doing uh, that was significant and she was used to sustain. She got in on uh, quite a miracle where the, where the oil didn't run out and the meal didn't run, run out. And, and then God even further, her son dies and Elijah brings him back to life through the, the power of God. Um, and I, so I think it's really significant the things that happen in our lives, God is working to get us into the condition where we actually can be in communication with what he's doing. We're apart, actually. Um, in 2 Kings chapter 5, there's another story. It's the story of Naaman. This, the first verse says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man with his master. Uh, because by him, Naaman, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. And I thought, I never noticed that before. Um, that it was, Naaman was a great man. Uh, and honorable with his master and a mighty man of valor. And, but it was, I mean, we all know this, I suppose, but I never noticed it in the Bible verse. It says that by him, the Lord had given deliverance. You see, it wasn't Naaman that gave deliverance. God used Naaman. It was by him, God. Do you realize that God is not cut out of anything that goes on in this earth? There's nothing that goes on that God is cut out of. I know, he's not a, I, I hate to say this, he's not a Republican, he's not a Democrat. Uh, okay, never mind that. I don't want to upset any of you, but I'm just saying, he, he helped, he's the one that enabled Naaman to give deliverance. It was by him, through God, okay, which that kind of took, caught my attention. It says, he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And I thought, what a, what a story this is. What an interesting story that, that God used this guy uh, to bring great victory. He was honored. He was, he was a great man in Syria, his king and all that. But he was a leper. And you know the story because I thought, when you look at celebrities in this world, and this, this is a bothersome thing to me. There are great athletes, and I admire um, people that do amazing things athletically, like to see what they do, to see how fast they run, or how high they jump. You know, um, James Basilica that used to live here, I think he almost jumps 40 inches vertical jump. Um, that's like, I could try it, but that would probably break my leg. You know, I, you know, I could, I remember trying out for a basketball team and those two of us there are about the same height. And the other kid had a vertical. <laughs> he could grab the rim. He could grab the rim, the basketball rim. If I got a running start, I could touch the net. <laughs> it's not that good. <laughs> a lot of people could touch the net. A lot of girls could touch the net. Um, anyway. <laughs> but I'm amazed at athletic ability. And, and, and um, you know, if you watch guys play basketball or football, or if you see any of those things, what they do now is like, Unbelievable to me how far they shoot the basketball and it goes in with people with it. They, the six foot, six foot nine guy, 
standing in front of them like this, and they shoot it over him from 24, 25, 26 feet, I don't know, anybody know, out, and they get it in. <laughs> it's just amazing to see. But what does bother me is that then these people that have great athletic prowess, they get interviewed about the issues of life. And you know, I think you could write a Bible verse that so-and-so famous athlete was able to be the best scorer in the National Basketball Association by God. It's just that nobody brings that in. <laughs> but if I think about it, the person that grew to be nine, six foot nine or whatever they are, 10, or I mean, they're all giants now, like, um, and they're all so athletic and they, and they used to be that the little guys were fast and could dribble. Now the little guys are six foot seven. And you know, it, uh, yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. I'm serious, Tim. Um, but they didn't do any, I mean, I'm sure they worked hard. I'm not against them. I'm just saying they didn't do anything to come out with that athletic ability and that size. Right? They didn't. But they get revered and they get worshipped and they get a gazillion dollars, which is un ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, I, and, I, and, and, and you think about that, that um, how, how absurd it is that we revere something that you didn't do anything for necessarily. We revere it and, and, and mean, it means this. It doesn't mean anything. And in, in Naaman's case, he was revered as a captain uh, because uh, by him, the Lord did something. And so you go, but he was a leper. And you, you find out as you go, and a leper is someone that has lost their ability to feel. And they can't feel heat changes. They can't feel pain sensation. They've lost their ability to feel. And, and, and that's exactly what has happened with all the creation. It, they've lost their ability to feel that the reason that they're on this earth was because they were created for something. And the reason that you and I are here and the reason we've been called out is because of God's intention. That's the central theme for us. That's why I say the communication if it, it, it must be living because that's really what is of the essence for our lives. God didn't create man so that he could uh, <clears throat> exalt himself into a position of where he needed to be. He should be worshipped. And there's, there's a wonderful illustration here with Naaman because he, he goes with his, you know, you know the story, the, the maid that works for him tells him about the prophet and the prophet. And, and so he, he drives up to Elijah's house, right? with his chariot and, and he's parked outside and, and, uh, and like everybody else, it seems as though they, he should have gone out there at this amazing captain. But the prophet knew that he wasn't amazing at all. As a matter of fact, you know, all the great athletes in the world, if they weren't great athletes, nobody would ask them any questions. Right? If Naaman wasn't a great captain, he would have been uh, ushered off to a leper colony or something, an outcast. Do you know what Naaman was without the help of God? A leper. And so, God, God, Elijah doesn't even go out. <laughs> he sends a message. Oh, I think, oh, what a, great, what a great thing this is. He sends a message. And he says, go tell him to wash in the Jordan seven times. And he is so offended. You know why? Because he doesn't, he thinks he did that. He thinks he did some big things. And he didn't know that the only way he did anything 
was because the Lord enabled him to do it. If you would look around, the only reason you and I have, been, have any progress in this place is because the Lord enabled us to do it. We didn't do it. Oh, well, wait a minute. We, we, we work. Yes, we work. We have to do something. We know about work. But apart from the strength of God, apart from the influence of the Spirit of God, what are we left with? So I, my point tonight would be, wouldn't that invoke humility on our parts? Wouldn't the thing to do then be to humble ourselves, even in the middle of the affliction and adversity, whatever goes on in our lives of difficulty, wouldn't it be the thing to do to get into a dialogue with our Heavenly Father? Trust the Lord at all times, pour out your heart before Him. Wouldn't that be an important thing to humble ourselves and say, Lord, uh, I, need, I need better communication with you. <laughs> I need a living lifeline of communication with actually what you're looking for out of me. And, and be, rather than be a leper that, that, that goes through the day without feeling what's actually happening. So that what comes out of my mouth has no, uh, no awareness of, of, of kind, if it's kind or if it's seasoned with grace or, or, or my thought life even that no one else maybe, maybe sees or hears. Wouldn't it be Something that I would say, Lord, I need the influence of your spirit again today, Lord. Because <clears throat> without you, Lord, I'm kind of a leper. I don't feel. And uh, so you know the story, right? He, he goes, and fortunately, you know, we had some people, servants. Aren't you glad that sometimes there's a few servants around that just give you a little hint that maybe... Maybe you ought to listen, you know. I remember clearly one time when my son, I don't know how old he was, he says, well, I said, well, what do you think? He said, well, maybe you and mom could be kinder to each other. So he had servants around him that said, father, father, if he'd asked you something hard to do, wouldn't you have done it? So he, he, he got to the condition where he, he went and washed, and we got cleansed. God moved on him. God was waiting, and he was gracious. He was gracious, right? So in Philemon 1, almost finished here. Philemon's a great book. Not just because it's only one chapter either. Um, it says in verse 4, I, um, I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication, the communion, the partnership of thy faith may be effectual, become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And, I, and that's always been an encouraging passage. But I thought, you know, the subtext of Paul is, and maybe I'm not sure you see it this way, but the subtext here is the only goodness you have, Anisimus, is in Christ Jesus. And you might be traveling along here, and you have that slave, right? That's run away. And, um, no, Onesimus was a slave, right? What was this guy's name? Philemon. Yeah, I already read that. 
The subtext is, Philemon, you might be going along okay, but there's, you don't forget where any goodness that you walk in comes from. Because, you know, the problem with walking in something, I don't even mean God even hasn't let us into it. The problem with it is that at times we, we forget where the source is. And, and so we think, it, the problem with it is it has limitations if we disconnect from the source. Because something came along with Philemon now that even though I've heard of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, there's something else here. There's no limitation in Christ when it comes to love for your brothers. You see, I, I, I think we limit ourselves because we draw a line how far we, we want to go. And, and that's what Paul is saying to Philemon. He said, look, um, your com the communication of your faith is only effectual because you acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That's the only place where you have effectual faith is in Christ Jesus. It's not all the things we do, all the things we know about. It's is there a living connection that's going on that doesn't have a, a limitation when I'm when I'm offended? You know, the life of God, thank God there's offenses that come so that you and I can see if I'm living where I'm called to live, if I'm abiding, what's going on? And, and, and like I said, God lets us go till <laughs> so we come to our senses and say, you know, help me, Lord. So there's no limitation of goodness in Christ even when we're offended, because the nature of Christ is to abide under the influence of the Spirit. And <clears throat> the nature of Christ, Paul calls the great mystery in Colossians 1.27. Paul said he was a steward of the mystery. In 1.27 it says, to whom God would uh, make known, Colossians 1.27, what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The, the mystery is Christ in you. The mystery. It is a mystery, isn't it? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But there's something further about this in Ephesians 3. Verse 9, I think. Well, verse 8. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship the same word as communication in Philemon. What's the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Do you know what's of significance? Is God wants you to have fellowship of the mystery. It's not just knowing about the mystery that Christ is in you. He wants ongoing fellowship, ongoing communication, ongoing partnership. Ongoing dialogue with the mystery. God help us. We, we'll walk through this place without feeling if we forget the only source of life is to abide in Christ under the influence of the same spirit that Jesus Christ walked under while on this earth. That is what God is doing. Bringing us into a condition where we're in fellowship with the mystery of who He is. 
So the only thing to do to understand is to realize it behooves us to humble ourselves when we're in difficulty. Have this dialogue. Pour out our hearts. Lord, can you help me again? Amen. Okay, Any, we're going to close. Any announcements tonight? Any announcements? Okay. All right. Justin, you want to close us?